Hello, and welcome to the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast. My name is Holly Samuel, and I am a registered dietitian and certified personal trainer. And my goal with this podcast is to empower you with nutrition and exercise knowledge from various health and wellness experts and everyday runners to become the best, strongest, fastest, fit cookie version of yourself that you can be. Are you ready? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on the show, you guys are in for a real treat. I am bringing on one of my one-on-one coaching clients and my Fit Cookie Nutrition coaching programs, Jill. Jill is about a week out from running her first marathon. She will be running the virtual Boston Marathon as her first marathon, which she actually trained for back earlier this year when the real marathon in person was supposed to happen on Patriots Day in Boston in April. And of course, it is 2020, so we all know that the race was postponed to September and then actually um, put as a virtual race. But Jill has just not given up. She's continued the training process, and she is going to absolutely crush it this weekend, and I'm so excited for her. And I apologize, the audio was a little strange towards the end of our conversation where it sounded like I was almost interrupting her because of the overlap and then there were a couple like longer pauses. Um, That was totally unintentional, so (laughs) bear with us there, but let's get on with the episode and let's meet Jill. Jill, welcome to the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's my first time recording a podcast. (laughs) I feel like a small, a low grade celeb. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I bet you'll be a natural. (laughs) Well, I'm so excited to have you. I've given a little bit of an introduction. So our listeners know that you are one of my amazing clients and friends now in my one-on-one coaching program and that you are gearing up for your first marathon this weekend. That's right. I am running the virtual Boston. I wish it was real Boston, but I will take virtual for now. (laughs) Well, you have earned the heck out of that medal that you're going to get. So we will (laughs) kind of get started. But first, tell our listeners who you are, what you do, and where you're from. Sure. Um, So my name is Jillian Granucci Anderson. And I So what I do, um, I work on uh, the talent acquisition team at Medicus Healthcare Solutions in Wyndham, New Hampshire. Um, So I spend a lot of time around people and uh, kind of doing a lot of back-end stuff for my department. I run our internship uh, program and I do a ton of marketing and social media for the company. So I, I work a normal corporate job and it's been very interesting to um, fit in the schedule that comes with marathon training. And so (laughs) where I'm from, so I grew up in Connecticut originally, but I did go to school at UNH. I graduated in 2012 and I met my husband there and I kind of stuck around ever since then. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And we are 
we are recording this in September now of 2020. So COVID year. Um, (laughs) So Jill's been, been balancing the work from home and then back to work life with this crazy marathon training schedule too. It has been very interesting. Um, I mean, so I've actually kind of been training for this marathon for almost a year now because I was supposed to um, run it in April originally and they pushed it to September. And so I took some time off, but um, you know, with your long runs, you have to be so strategic of when you're running them. And then given daylight um, in the winter time, there isn't a lot of it. So when are you doing your longer runs during the week and stuff? It just, it's been really interesting. And I've learned so much about time management during this whole process. Oh my gosh, I bet. Well, yeah, like let's get, so let's get into your like background with running and then we can kind of lead up to your experience so far with the Boston Marathon, which like I said, you are going to earn the heck out of that medal because you've trained (laughs) for this thing twice now. Um, So describe your background with running. So like when did you start and why and kind of like how has that journey looked ever since? Definitely. So I have always kind of been an athletic person. Um, I played field hockey and lacrosse in middle and high school. And so with both of those sports comes needing to be a quote runner. Um, I somehow always managed to play defense though. So I never had to run too, too much. I always (laughs) felt bad for those midfielders and forwards. So I felt like we're always running back and forth so much. I always remember thinking to myself, "Ugh, I could never do that. They're running way too much. But I still needed to be in some kind of good physical shape. So, you know, uh, I'd be training over the summers, you know, two to four miles, nothing crazy. Then after I graduated high school, I just played field hockey for fun, intramurals at UNH, uh, but still remained active, would go for a run here or there. Um, And it wasn't until after I graduated from college that I sort of needed to find what I like to call my adult sport. You know, a lot of people play tennis (laughs) or they golf and I don't do either of those. So I started to take up running a little bit more. And then I finally convinced my younger brother to run a half marathon with me. I want to say it was in 2016. That was our first half marathon that we did. Um, And it was, it was fine. I didn't really, you know, I found a training program online and tried to stick to it as best I could. Um, Got a little burned out towards the end. And I think my longest long run before that half marathon was probably eight miles. So I went into that half marathon with a little bit of head trash because I was like, I've only run eight miles. I'm not going to be able to do this. Why didn't I train to the fullest extent? Um, But yeah, so um, I kind of feel like it, I have always loved to run though. So um, even though I didn't have the greatest experience at my first half marathon, I still continued to sign up for 5Ks. I did run two more half marathons after that first one. And um, yeah, that's kind of what my running journey looks like. That's awesome. So I love... I love how you describe it as like your adult sport (laughs) because I feel like that's how so many like recreational like runners that I talk to like in and outside of my business kind of start. They start as adults like 
you know, and this is a question I'm just going to like get this question over with right off the bat. Cause I ask all of my guests on this podcast, this question, but, um, cause you, you had mentioned that you hated running. So yep. <laughs> have you like, have you ever said that like you would never run a marathon before or like have any like hesitation over that distance? Absolutely. So it's actually very funny. So I'm not sure if you remember, I'm going to, I am a talker. So sorry for this major <laughs> story within a, within a question, but the first, I'm not sure if you remember this, but the first time I met you was at my second half marathon. Um, you were there to cheer on um, one of our, a mutual friend of ours. She's actually very good friends with my little brother. And yes. I think she's very good friends with you. She but I is. met you there. Yes. <laughs> and, I um, so I think you had just run Chicago and so, or you were about to, I can't quite it, remember. It was a week later. Yeah. It was, yes. <laughs> so you had just run and I was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. And I had put it out into the universe. I, I am a believer that if you put it out there, it will some way in shape or form come to you. So I said, that's so cool. I really want to run Boston. Um, and I had honestly, didn't. I knew it was tough to run Boston. I didn't quite know the ins and the outs. I kind of just figured I would sign up and run um, for a charity. So that happened. I don't know. Maybe we had this conversation at like seven in the morning. <laughs> then about two and a half hours later, I am coming into mile 13 in this half marathon that I'm running. And I'm running against the wind. And I can see the finish line because we're on the coast and I can see it like coming or it's hard to explain, but I'm, I can see it like way off in the distance. I know exactly but I'm what still, you're talking about. I'm that still finish far line. away from it. Yes. <laughs> that finish line seems so far. <laughs> and it's only two miles, but I just remember running into the wind and thinking, why would I ever do this a second time around? Like I'm at mile 11 and all I want to do is be done with running so I probably, it's just funny because I said in the matter of two hours, oh yeah, I totally want to run a marathon. And then two and a half hours later, I was like, no, I never ever want to run a marathon. Nope. I'm good. I'm this distance is my distance. And that's that. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> so, so for context here, so people know, so Jill and I met very briefly. Um, we were at the Smutty Nose Half Marathon in Hampton, New Hampshire, which is usually like in October. And um, this is probably like, it was a year ago. Oh my gosh. It seems like yeah. it was such a long time ago. I know. Um, so much has changed, but yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So we met there very, very briefly and that finish line, like you run up the coast of New Hampshire and you can see the finish line for probably two or three miles. And it just seems like it's so close, but so far. So just to have that like little like I call it kind of like the runner dialogue. Like I think all of us do this. Once you get bit by the bug, you're like, Oh my God, running so fun. I want to run a marathon. And then five seconds later, you're in a hard effort and you're like, why would I ever do that to myself? <laughs> that is the exact experience that I had that day. <laughs> yes. I love it. Well, and that was a windy day too. I remember that. Cause I, oh. it was the week before Chicago. So I was kind of like running up and down the course cheering like people on, <laughs> um, because I've never, that was the first year in six years that I missed that race that I couldn't run oh. it myself. Yeah. Um, well, I love that. I love that because you went from a year ago saying, I don't think I'm ever going to run a marathon to getting a bib for Boston. So talk a little bit about like, you know, kind of what unraveled from there, because you said that was like your second half marathon. Yep. It was my second half marathon. So, um, 
after that, I was sort of like, you know what? Boston is a once in a lifetime thing for most people. I mean, I know plenty of people that have run it multiple times, but for people like myself, I was just thinking Boston is a once in a lifetime thing. I'm going to sign up. I'm going to run for a charity. I'm going to work really hard and raise all of the money and I'm going to run it. And that will be my, that will be my one. Um, So I actually applied for a bunch of charities. I want to say late September, maybe early October ish. Um, And I was hoping to be selected. And I actually was declined from the three that I had selected to Mm -hmm. run for, which Mm -hmm. was pretty bad. And, but I was kind of like, you know what, it's, that is just a sign that I'm either one, not meant to run it this year or (laughs) not meant to run it at all. Yeah. So, um, but in, in doing this, I had started to research, you know, how do you run a marathon and for Boston particular, when, like, what type of shape should you be in? So in October of last year, after my half marathon, I, I started to, you know, just keep up with my running. I didn't, you know, I, after my other half that I had done, after I was done with the half, I just stopped running and I took a break. Mm-hmm. But after the half that I did last October, I kept up with the running and I was doing longer runs. So, you know, between like six and eight miles so that going into December and January, if I happened to become so lucky and get a bib, I would be in shape. Then I got declined from all three of my charities. So I was like, yep, yeah, okay, not for me. However, in life, I do believe it is very important to make connections with people and stay in touch with people. And through work, I was introduced with some people in the Greater Manchester Running Club. And um, GMRC, they were awarded three bibs from the BAA. So they put out a note to all of their members. At this time, I had joined the running club. They had put out a note to all the members and said, um, we are doing a raffle for bibs. If you um, are have any interest, please reply to this email. So I was like, well, I'll give it a shot. I'm not sure how many other people are going to enter this said raffle, but I replied. And lo and behold, probably, I don't know, two weeks later, I get an email that says, congratulations, you've been selected. And I was like, crying, freaking out. I was like, <laughs> the universe has such weird ways in working out oh my God, I have a bib for Boston. And now this is real. This is real. So I quickly found some kind of a training plan online and got into gear. And it just happened to be like just enough time that if I stuck to this training plan, then I would, you know, I think it was like a 16 week training plan. And from that, when I had found out it was probably mid January, we were about 16 weeks out from Boston. Gotcha. Oh my gosh. Well, what a great, like, what a great day. (laughs) Oh my God. It was amazing. So I had this, um, this 16 week plan and I just got into gear and that's kind of when I started to train for Boston the first time around. (laughs) Yes. And then, so I was going to say, so, you know, pretty much, I feel like everyone almost completed their entire training for Boston. Maybe a few people had like a peak week left and went into the taper before we found out that Boston probably wasn't happening in April <laughs> yep. uh, because of the coronavirus pandemic. So it was, it was rescheduled to September. Um, 
and, you know, kind of describe a little bit, cause you know, you're going to be this, this happened to a lot of people with a lot of different races. So I'm sure others listening can relate to what some of your feelings probably were when you kind Definitely. of got the, when you got that news, you know, that it was not canceled, but postponed and it was your first marathon. And like, you know, you, like so many other people were trying to get into this race and it's so hard to get into and you've got a bib. Tell us like how that felt and kind of what your thought process was like and also where you were at in training at that point. Yes. So I am lucky enough that I live about an hour from the starting line in Hopkinton. So yeah. I was driving um, an hour each way to Hopkinton every weekend to run my long run just so I could know what it feels like. I would know right where to go on race day, etc. And um, my last long run that I did before I found out it was postponed was 17 miles. So I was almost there. I think I had maybe one or two long runs left after that. And they postponed the race mid-March. And I was sad, but hopeful. And, you know, we're postponing to September. I think what was most sad about it for me was that I was worried that I wasn't going to get the same Boston Marathon experience that Boston is famous for. They say that Boston is such a difficult course, but the people carry you through. And that's really why Boston was, I got to experience Boston for the first time. Um, One of my best friends was running it in 2019 and I just got this feeling of, I have to do this at some point in my life. It was such a magical day and it was so inspiring. And um, so when the race got postponed, I was like, all right, it's just postponed to September. I'm going to take some time off. I, I just really needed, I was kind of getting to that like burnout point and I just needed some time to like stop, take a breath and really just take a minute for myself because I'd been training so fast and furious since I learned that I, I had earned the bib in mid January. Right. And, um, yeah, and absolutely. And like, <laughs> like you said, you had gone to the race to cheer someone on before. So, you know, you were probably thinking, all right, if I'm going to do, you know, if I'm going to torture myself and put myself through a marathon and marathon training, I want it to be Boston because of this experience. So, you know, kind of walk us through because now, you know, you're at the point where you trained almost for the whole thing. We're kind of burnt out. We did an online training plan. Um, and then I know, you know, I, you started talking to me and we started to connect and to walk us through a little bit, like what experience you were hoping to get out of training for this thing a second time, even without completing the actual race the first time. And like, yep kind of what your why was behind it because now there was a question of is it even going to happen in September (laughs) this is lasting longer than a month like we all thought it would you know initially and talk about that a little bit absolutely so um I had started to follow you probably early May on Instagram I love Instagram it is my favorite form of social media (laughs) um there are so many great things about it and there are so many terrible things about it but yeah um one of the greatest things about it is um when you do find someone who is so knowledgeable in their field um there's really so much to learn Side note, asterisk right now that I'm going to say is before you do start working with someone that you find on Instagram, research their credentials. Um, I researched you. I followed you for 
several weeks and <laughs> I started to work with you because you you are so qualified in what you do um obviously people listening to this probably know that you are a registered dietitian um you're a certified personal trainer you have run several marathons yourself and to me it was so important to learn from someone who actually knows what they're talking about who actually is going to help me get better and do it safely so that I don't injure myself um there are so many great coaches out there on the internet but not everyone is you know certified and giving you the best advice they're just telling you what's worked for them so I did spend a great deal of time researching you um that sounds so creepy but it's true (laughs) no like me and every other dietitian out there right now are just like slow clapping like yes (laughs) research those credentials and even so like there's a lot of great professionals out there that just aren't maybe in the right niche of what you're looking for. And like you said, if you're looking for someone to help you with marathon training, it can be really helpful for that person to know what that's like um, themselves. Because even if we run different times, we're all experiencing the same things. Absolutely. And I feel like so many of our weekly check-ins that we would have, I would say, "I'm, I'm experiencing this, or this happened to me on my run, or Um, I'm feeling burnt out and you would just relate to it and you'd be like, oh yes, that happened to me. And this is what I did to overcome it or try this. I've, I've experienced this and my clients have experienced that. And so it was super helpful to work with someone who's been there, done that. But also, so I, I initially did the reach out just because I had I felt like I worked my buns off um, for the first (laughs) Boston marathon that I was training for, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure if if I was doing enough or am I doing it right? Or it it says to run hills on my um, train on my online training program. And I'm a very little literal person. How many hills? One, two, (laughs) 10, 12. I don't know. Is this enough? Is this not enough? Are these hills steep enough? Is this, hill like heartbreak hill so I just had so many questions about it that it really really helped me to work with someone who has been there done that that can give me a training plan that is going to set me up for success because I was having you know like when you're a bride and you keep having those recurring dreams of like the things that go wrong on your wedding day (laughs) well that was happening to me except I was running the Boston Marathon and And all these things were going wrong. So I needed to, I really wanted to work with someone that could help, you know, kind of give me, help me build the confidence. I can't say that you can't give me the confidence, but you can help me build the confidence um, to know that I can, I can do this. I love that you compared marathon training to wedding day. Like (laughs) what a perfect comparison it is. It could not be more true. I, and I was talking about this with someone else today. It's like, you know, if you are not enjoying the process, you know, and you're just building up to this one day in time, you know, it's a lot of work for that one day in time. And like you said, you want it to go well because it's only one day. So, oh my gosh, that's just such a great comparison. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true though. It's so true. Yeah. I remember too. I remember our discovery call. You had said, you know, I really, I worked really hard and I almost completed my training. I was kind of feeling like I should be, you know, progressing and I'm not really sure where I'm at or if I'm doing it right. 
Um, and after talking to you, you know, even briefly on that call, you know, I could tell, you know, yes, Jill, you had probably done a lot of things right since you did research a lot of this. But also, you know, when you run a marathon for the first time by yourself, you know, it's a it's a lot of work and it's just you don't know what you don't know. Um and without working with someone one-on-one, it can be really difficult to figure out what works for you compared to what works for whoever is out there on the internet. <laughs> um, Definitely. It's so yeah. true. And sorry, I to, not to cut you off, but just speaking to the running a marathon by yourself. Um, and that was another difficult thing for me was that so many of the other people that I knew who were running Boston had running groups with the charities that they were running with or um, their charities had uh, coaches that work for different running companies within Boston helping them. I did not have that. I was doing the training all by myself and researching online like what does it mean when your toes bleed when you run or what does it mean when your stomach hurts and you have terrible pain and all of a sudden you have to go to the bathroom that's what I was googling so I have a pretty interesting google history Um, (laughs) I'm sure we all do (laughs) true but (laughs) it just became so helpful and I feel like we developed such a great relationship that I was like okay this might be TMI Holly and you're like it's not TMI because it's true. This happens to runners. And so I felt like I could just relate to um, the things that you were telling me and I could ask you openly and you'd be like, yes, that is a totally normal symptom of training for a marathon. Well, and like, (laughs) and like you said, you know, you have these random symptoms that come up and you're like, what is going on? And, you know, you Google it and you're like, well, I could be dying or, (laughs) you know, I could have a fueling problem or I could like, you know, have like a, I'm pushing myself too hard or something. And it's like, well, which one is it? (laughs) How do I fix it? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of like, you know, your, you had finished your first training cycle, you know, and Boston was postponed and you ended up working, we ended up working together, um, on your nutrition and your training plan. I did, we helped, um, I helped you with both of those, you know, how did like your first training cycle and your second training cycle differ when it came, especially to like the nutrition piece? Oh, oh my God. I can't even believe I'm about to admit this, but the first time around, just because I was doing what I always do, and I usually eat, you know, somewhere between 12 to 1400 calories a day. So I would go out and I would do my long runs while only eating 12 to 1400 calories a day. And I would get it done. And it would, it would be tough, but I would get it done. Um, but then also I, I knew that fuel was important as it relates to when, when you're out there running. I knew that I had to be um, eating these two things that some taste good, some taste bad. So when I felt like I needed one, I would struggle through eating one. Um, I was very inconsistent. Sometimes I would just try to get through my long runs without having any fuel at all because I just didn't like them or they'd make my stomach feel weird or I felt like I was going to vomit after I had them so when it came to nutrition I just felt like I had no clue what I was doing but I was also just doing what diet culture tells you to do and if you're a female ages 21 through 30 you should only be having 12 to 1400 calories a day because god forbid you gain weight 
Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And like, like you said, somehow I was getting through these runs on 1200 calories a day. And, you know, what, what about um, your mindset around food has changed since we started working together a couple months ago? So there would, there are so many things that I've learned just through working with you. Like I would never eat bananas before I started working with you because do you know how many grams of sugar are in a banana? At least 37. (laughs) Uh, So when you, when diet culture is telling you that there are 37 grams of sugar in a banana, why would you ever eat a banana? Right. So it's just so silly. There's so many things like, um, I feel like I, with training for a marathon, I had to relearn everything that I know about food. Um, so like we did a slow gradual increase of my calories week to week. So, um, I really needed to be between 2000 and 2,400 calories a day. Um, and you weren't like, okay, start eating 2000 calories tomorrow. We did a slow gradual increase because that is a lot of food. Um, it was double. (laughs) It was double. (laughs) So, um, it was, you know, just learning about the, the different things, but also not feeling like I needed to track everything. Um, I was a macro tracker for a while and that was just so unbelievably stressful because, oh my God, my fats are too high. My protein's too low. So I'm just like eating things to eat them instead of eating intuitively and just listening to my body and what my body needs. Um, Also, another thing that I love about working with you is that you armed me with so many resources. The um, Busy Bee cookbook (laughs) has amazing recipes in it. And let me tell you, I stink at cooking. Like (laughs) everything I make is not good. I always like overcook every meat source. It tastes disgusting. My poor husband like eats it because he's a nice person, but (laughs) he like you could just tell that like he's like, wow, this is not good at all. (laughs) And I feel the same way. I'm like, oh my god, I know. I'm so sorry. This chicken is so dry and disgusting. (laughs) So you you armed me with resources. I remember um, at one point during quarantine, I had made something from the Busy Bee cookbook, and he like started. He took a couple bites of it and he looked up, and he's like wow, this is actually good. And I just, I was like, this is a victory. Like, this is amazing. I made something that's good. And it's incredibly packed with nutrients that are going to help me with my long runs. And it's so true. I saw that I started sleeping better. I saw that my workouts, um, whether they were weight-based or cardio-based, I mean, they were still hard, but they became easier because I was fueling my body with the nutrients that it needed. Yeah. And for, first of all, the Busy Bee Cookbook, for those who can't cook and husband approved, like that should just be the slogan. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> because it's so true. When I made that, you know, I was like, okay, like this has to have very few ingredients, like very low maintenance because that's, I mean, honestly, that's how I am too. Uh, when it comes to cooking, you, if you're running 20 miles on the weekends, like you don't have time to meal prep mm-hmm. everything into little containers perfectly every week. You just don't have time for that. It's exhausting. <laughs> and like when you get back from a long run on a Sunday, the last thing you want to do is go to the grocery store and then spend hours prepping your food. Exactly. So the fact that I could make something that was incredibly nutritious, that was fueling me 
throughout the week. Um, it, it just made my life so, so much easier. Yeah. And like helped you get those calories in too, like without having to think about it as much. Yep. Yeah. And I remember too, um, you know, one thing that I think had stuck with you from your, um, like stage competitions and whatnot in the past too, was just the, the protein intake. I remember, you were good, like you were good on the protein. <laughs> like yep. we were eating plenty of protein. Um, and I think how I had phrased the question um, on the podcast the first time was, you know, what did you learn? But I think a lot of what you learned is what you unlearned from diet culture. Um, exactly. Like we learned a lot more about carbohydrates because we had to unlearn that sugar was bad for us. Um, yep. You know, and we learned a lot about fueling your long runs because we had to unlearn that, you know, we don't deserve to eat more than 12 to 1400 calories a day, no matter how many miles we're running. Um, And we had gotten lab work done too. And I think that really showed, you know, that had you continued on that path of just, you know, like just being misinformed and not, you know, eating to fuel yourself, you probably would have been at risk for injury pretty quickly just from the lab work we got back. Definitely. I'm honestly so surprised that I didn't and I'm very thankful um, that I didn't get injured the first time around. Um, but it also just goes to show like science is a thing and it is real. <laughs> and if you pay attention to it and you do your due diligence and you work with a trained professional, um, you, you you can learn so much. And just getting my blood work done, um, well, this is like probably the dorkiest comment I've ever made. I was telling my coworkers about it and <laughs> I was like, guess how much I lowered my cholesterol by? (laughs) (laughs) Guess how much you improved your cholesterol ratio? (laughs) Yes. But I didn't, I didn't like make any drastic lifestyle changes other than I just started working with someone who was able to help me with the nutrition piece of it that I was exercising, but I was, I was always, you know, eating well and um, exercising, but I just feel like it was such a matter of eating the right things and, and continuing to exercise, but exercise in a, in a way that you aren't going to hurt yourself too. Oh yeah. Well, and you're not giving yourself enough credit because you put in a lot of work and a lot of, a lot of mental work too, just, just to be okay with eating double the amount and, you know, trusting the process. Yes. We need carbohydrates. Yes. We need to bring exactly 27 sour patch kids on the run with us. (laughs) you know, we need, you did a ton of work and, you know, that's, that's awesome because you've gotten so far because you were ready to, to just do that work and put in, you put in the trust with the process in the meantime, and then you lowered your cholesterol. So yeah, <laughs> that's, and that physical data point always helps too. Absolutely. I think my doctor probably fell over when she saw my results too. So. <laughs> that's amazing. Win-win. I fell over. I'm not going to lie. I was like, this is great. The blood doesn't lie. Um, yeah, and exactly. So in terms of your your run specifically, so let's get into a little bit, like you said the first time around, you know, you, you took a gel or a chew every once in a while because you thought you should, but you really didn't like doing it. You know, I know we worked a lot on your fueling plan and, you know, we had some runs where <laughs> the fueling plan didn't quite go as planned and therefore the run was a bit of a dumpster fire. And then we yep. had some runs where, you know, everything aligned really well. You took an extra gel even, you know, and things went a lot better. So like talk a little bit about, you know, how, 
how you made that happen, because that is no <laughs> easy feat um, to make yourself take those things on the run. And like, how did you feel at the end of those good runs versus the ones that felt like a dumpster fire? Definitely. Well, I mean, so much of it, first of all, is trial and error. Um, just because one thing doesn't work out for you doesn't mean that something else won't work for you. Um so I was taking like those huge cliff blocks, I think is what they're called. And I was just finding that I was like chewing them and they were really hard for me to swallow. And um, some of them, I just didn't like the taste of them. And so when I told you this, you were like, okay, well, you can also consider some other things like Sour Patch Kids. So I was like, ooh, Sour Patch Kids, those are my favorite candy. So if I can eat candy while I'm marathon training, then like I'm, I'm all ears. Yes. <laughs> um, but then also um, learning the importance of different fuel sources too. So we talked about the importance of um, the honey stingers too. And there's, I don't know what the difference is. I you'll have to help me with this one, but why I take the honey stingers versus the sour patch kids. But <laughs> this um, won't be on the final. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. No, it's um, just, we talked about different electrolyte. Um, electrolytes, and that's right. Yeah. And different um, types of carbohydrates so that you didn't have as much like GI distress. Yes. Okay. So um, the honey stingers, those literally just taste like honey. So if you like the honey, um, I would highly recommend them. I love honey. It's one of my favorite sweeteners. Um, nice. So I incorporated those into my long runs as well. Um, and then, so you had kind of mentioned when I have a run that doesn't go as planned and so much of it is in your head. In fact, um, I think I was listening to one of your earlier podcasts that um, I think you said something like you're mind will give up a lot before your body actually needs to give up yeah. so just knowing that I feel like is so important when you are going into a long run um to talk about the long run where my fueling plan didn't go as planned it was a hot day um I was running I was doing a practice run out on the New Hampshire seacoast that is where I am going to do my virtual Boston marathon and I had run out of water uh, around mile 14, I was supposed to do 18. And it just kind of got in my head that I, okay, now I've run out of water and it's really hot out and I really, really need water. I'm feeling so thirsty. Um, so it was, I cut my run short and I only ended up doing 16. Only. So, <laughs> I, I know it sounds like only, but I'm a very goal oriented person. And so in my mind, when I'm supposed to do 18, but I only do 16, I get again, a little bit of head trash in that. Complete okay. failure. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. Earlier in that run, I was around a mile 11, I want to say, maybe 10 or 11. I had eaten um, some Sour Patch Kids, which again, are my favorite, but I felt like I was going to puke. So that kind of got in my head too. So it was just like a perfect storm of things going wrong on my long run that I had also never had a bad long run before ever I when I was training for Boston the first time around you know everything I mean they were hard to get through but I got through them and then I'd feel so accomplished at the end and um I ran 16.2 my longest that I did for um Boston the first time around was like 
17 or something like that. So I had pretty much done my longest long run that day and like the second time around. And Mm -hmm. I, I just felt like such a failure. I was so disappointed. I was like, Oh my God, like again, head trash. Um, and I was like, I don't know if I can actually do this. Like, and I started to just have all of those things go wrong. So I texted you right away. Obviously, like I got back to my car and I was like, I suck. I can't do this. And of course, when you talk to yourself like that, um, yep, that is, you're basically talking yourself out of achieving any sort of goal. So (laughs) terrible job on my part. But (laughs) what was so great was that I, so when I had my one-on-one call with you, I think it was a couple of days later, we talked about different mantras that are going to help get me there. We talked about having a solid uh, fueling plan. And again, it was just you giving me the tools that I needed to build that confidence that yes, I can actually do this. So I think um, between me telling myself that I can do hard things, that I'm just running the mile that I'm in, um, between focusing on what doesn't hurt at this moment, which you had given the example of your elbows don't hurt. And so for <laughs> a lot of my next long run, I just was like, wow, my elbows feel so great right now. Like <laughs> they've never been better. Such a good <laughs> trick. <laughs> um, because uh, so that was like one thing was the, the mental piece of it. But then also having the solid fuel plan of knowing that at mile four, I was going to have between six and eight Sour Patch Kids. And then at mile eight, I don't know, I don't know, seven or eight, whatever it was, I was going to have a honey stinger. And then uh, the next interval of however many miles I was going to have more Sour Patch Kids. I had also um, at this point gotten a little camelback that holds two liters of water so that I could not run out of water that like that is so running out of water was such an unnecessary distraction that day so I got the camelback so that I that wouldn't ever be a thing for me ever again also we talked about those magical electrolytes so Mm -hmm. I started carrying Gatorade with me too um I don't like Gatorade I've never liked Gatorade it reminds me of um, high school field hockey after running the, the big <laughs> three miles and you have to do it in under 28 minutes if you want to play varsity so oh. obviously I ran it in under 28 minutes because I wanted to play varsity it's not that hard but in my mind back then it was hard yeah but after that I chugged red Gatorade and then I threw it up so ever oh. since that moment I never drink Gatorade again yeah. Yeah. fast forward to now I need Gatorade the grape flavor is amazing I love it Um, but I, um, my little water bottle, my 16 ounce one, um, that I, that was the one that had water in it the day I ran out. That's now my Gatorade, um, water bottle. And I am able to replenish and fuel, uh, using Gatorade too. And that was, it was honestly something that I didn't know that I needed and wouldn't have known that I needed until I started to work with you. Well, and like, just the the biggest difference too. And I, you know, I might, I feel this for a lot of people whose races got postponed or canceled is that, you know, you would train for your first marathon in the winter. I mean, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. it's winter until May <laughs> Pretty <laughs> you know? much, yep. and, and training for, 
you know, essentially your second marathon in the summer is a totally different beast. So just knowing, oh no, I really, I really do need this much on me and I'm going to need a different carrying device and I'm going to have to be a lot more diligent to stay ahead of like the dehydration. Um, you know, it was a really big deal and like you just tackled it so well, you know, you were like, oh, I ran out of water. Okay. I'm going to go buy a camelback like today <laughs> or, you know, oh, I, I threw up Sour Patch Kids, but I'm still going to make sure that I'm cool with taking them, you know, next time, even though like I didn't have a great experience with them <laughs> last time. And, you know, just to, just to kind of reiterate too, like those little adjustments you made, like how did your run go the next weekend and how is that setting you, your mindset up going into the virtual Boston marathon this weekend? Absolutely. So my next weekend, I think I had set out to do 18, Mm -hmm. 18. I think I, I think I'd set out to do 18. Um, but I actually did 19 and I felt great. I felt so good. I, you know, when it gets hard, again, remembering that your mind will want you to give up long before your body actually needs to give up is just, I I think that's half the battle. Um, But then also just having a solid plan of knowing, okay, in, in this mile, I'm focusing on being in present in this mile that I know that I need to have two to four ounces of water. And I know that I need to eat six to eight Sour Patch Kids before this mile is over. Um, Knowing that you have something to focus on really just helps propel you through your long run. So um, running my 19, I felt great. I felt like I could have continued on, which is always a great sign um, going into that last seven miles of your marathon. Um, and I, again, like the, the headspace is so, so important and having mantras that are going to help me get through and gives me something to think about certainly are, um, are so, so important. It's so much, it's more, there's so much more than just the physical piece of running a marathon. Like you have to do the mental work. Yeah. And having done some, like a couple half marathons as well, like it's, and we've talked about this in our sessions, but you know, you kind of know that the marathon has the same word in it, but it's a totally different, it's a different animal. It's, you know, a lot, yeah, it's a lot longer than, you know, twice a half when it comes to everything. I mean, you were going from taking in maybe two gels and some water, you know, on your long runs to taking in, you know, two liters of water, 16 ounces of Gatorade, like 32 Sour Patch Kids and four Honey Stingers. You know, that's, those are very different, very different things. So, I mean, going into Boston this week, I mean, how are you feeling? And like, just all the things you've accomplished, do you feel like it's kind of spilling over into other areas of your life as well? So I feel, I feel so great. I feel so excited. Um, I, I am just running a virtual marathon. It's, it is the quote Boston marathon, but it's virtual. So sometimes it doesn't, I guess like I, maybe I'm like doubting myself and that it doesn't feel real. And to see my support system be so unbelievably excited for me, um, it, it then gives me the assurance that this is real and that I am doing this. And it is so nice to have my friends um, volunteering to run different legs of my race with me. It is 
um, it's so like, I feel so, I don't know, loved. And it, it means the world to me that people are, despite not being able to run the real Boston, they're still coming out to cheer for me. And um, it, it is just, it's such a great feeling. So going into the race, I, I couldn't be more excited. I'm ready. Um, I've been working at this for so long that um, there's nothing that's going to stop me. Um, even a pandemic can't <laughs> stop me. So. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm so, so ready. Um, but then you also said, you know, how do I feel this spilling over into other areas of my life? And I feel like I am a completely different person since April 2020. I mean, I was also training for a marathon since Jan, really since January. Um, and then really even before that, since about last October. But um, I feel like my confidence has built in so many ways. I feel like I um, sleep better at night, which makes me a better worker during the day. I feel um, like that sense of achievement with running that comes with running a marathon. Like I, I kind of just feel like I'm, this probably sounds so dorky, but like, I feel like I'm like, okay, like I just run a marathon, like, or I just ran a marathon. Sorry, I can't <laughs> talk. Um, like what, you know, what isn't there that I can't achieve? Yeah, you know I know I mean? exactly what you mean. <laughs> it sounds kind of dorky, but like, I'm just like, okay, like I'm running a marathon pretty much. I mean, I have people that are amazing and going to run it with me, but I'm like, I'm essentially running this marathon by myself. Um, that takes a whole lot of determination and, um, like, I, I don't know, I lost my word, but, um, it, it, you know, self-control and when I'd rather sometimes just be like hanging out with my friends and like, nope, I'm going out for my long run so that I can be prepared for my marathon. So I'm kind of just like, you know, there isn't anything that I can't achieve. And this is just like one more part of the story yes and well and what did you learn too like when you were having some of those self-doubts and you were like why can't I finish my long runs and we learned that less than half a percent of the population in the United States does this (laughs) so it's so crazy that that is the statistic and that like I am going to be um you know part of that statistic and I actually, um, I want to circle back to something that you said earlier, and it was also about your post on um, Instagram today is what's your why? And I think that you did ask me this earlier, and I did not answer that question. So shame (laughs) on me. But um, I have so many whys. And part of this why is because I am becoming a part of history. And that is why I initially kind of was like I am going to run the virtual Boston Marathon because how cool will it be one day to tell my kids that I couldn't run this marathon that was a huge goal for me because we were in the middle of a huge global pandemic but that the amazing things that the Boston Marathon and the BAA did to actually make sure that this still could happen Um, and so my why is to be a part of history and I have so many more whys beyond that but for this race in particular oh and I, I think that's so important too and I love that because like you said you've trained for this thing twice it's been you know it's, it was going to happen in April and then it was going to happen in September and now it's virtual and like 
you know, if your why was just because, you know, you wanted to run the Boston marathon on the course and like, you know, experience that, that almost wouldn't have been good enough just because it moved all over the Mm -hmm. place. So just to the being a part of history and I mean, a lot of people have a lot of opinions about Boston because it's such a hard race to get into. And there's so much prestige around, you know, being a part of the Boston marathon. And I think some, you know, think, Oh, if I, you know, run and I didn't qualify, like, you know, I'm in this group, but if I run and I qualify, I'm in this group. And, you know, just looking at, (laughs) looking at what you've done and what you've been through to get into this race, like, you embody exactly who is supposed to run the Boston Marathon. You know, you've trained for it twice, even when it was going to be virtual. It's, you know, you're really embodying the spirit of it and making history, which is part of their why, too. Um, You know, this thing hasn't (laughs) technically been canceled ever. So, (laughs) you know, even technically so, they're still trying to make the virtual experience a really positive one. And you're going to earn the heck out of that medal on Sunday. I'm so excited for you. (laughs) Absolutely. And I, regardless of how, um, how Sunday goes, it's going to go great, but regardless of how it goes, like I will get to Boston, I will get to actual Boston someday at some point in my life. And, um, I will get that Boylston street moment that everyone, um, talks about how amazing and magical it is. I will get that. Um, just 2020 won't be the year that I get to do that. So I look forward to um, whenever that year is. Hopefully it's next year, but, you know, um, I want it to be done safely yeah. as well. So oh, absolutely. I and that was going to be my next question was, you know, you've, you've, and I'll ask you this too, we're going to interview Jill after her, her Boston Marathon too. So we get the before <laughs> and the after, but, you know, having trained for two marathons essentially and done a lot of running in the past couple of years, do you see yourself being like a one and done marathoner or have you totally gotten the bug and want to do it again? I totally have gotten the <laughs> bug. I do. I want to do it again um, because I want to have that experience of, you know, when it gets hard at mile 22 and you just want to quit. Like I may feel like that this Sunday. But I want to feel that with thousands of other people around me, you know, giving you a pat on the back or giving you their words of inspiration to keep going and to run it in some iconic city. Um, Obviously, I want to do Boston, but I've heard so many great things about so many other marathons across the country or even across the world. Um, I studied abroad in London and I know that they have a marathon and I would love to get back to London someday. So if the way that I can do that is to run a marathon. I absolutely I love it. That. <laughs> I love it. That's a great I, I haven't done the London Marathon, but it's one of the majors and I've heard I mean just epically amazing things about it for sure. I mean, I'm sure it is also hard to get a bib for London, but you know, <laughs> yes, it's it hard together. to get a bib for everything these days. So <laughs> I think it's I think like you said, if you put it into the universe, you will you will get there when you are supposed to get there. Well, I was, I'm so happy to have you on the show. So I want to wrap up with a couple end of the podcast questions, um, as you go into your Boston marathon weekend. Um, so (laughs) this is kind of a goofy one, but just bear with with me with the imagery. (laughs) So you're about to cross the finish line of your goal race and you've done races that are in person before. So, you know what the finish line feels like and you're finishing super strong and you're having one of those like awesome race days where everything's going right. What song is playing as you approach and cross the finish line? 
Okay, so this is an interesting question because when I run, I don't yes. listen to music. I listen to podcasts, um, like the Fit Cooking <laughs> Nutrition podcast. Thank you. Um, I also love How I Built This. By um, it's put out by Guy Raz and nice. NPR. Um, skimmed from the couch, but um, obviously, like when you are crossing a finish line, like you yes. need that song. Like you need that song. So I. I love all kinds of music. I just don't like to listen to it when I run because I find that I get bored. But if I had to pick one song, I'd probably pick Don't Stop Me Now by Queen because it's like, okay, I'm about to cross 26.2. Like I'm crossing the finish line. Like, don't stop me now. I'm so excited Um, with this answer. That's such a good answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not even like a huge Queen fan, but I do like that song. But um yeah, so I guess if I was going to play a song, it would be that song, but I do actually listen to podcasts. I love it. I was I excited to ask you this question because I knew you kind of are a podcast or like even no headphones sometimes because you're so focused. Um, yep. But you're right. Like we have to have like that finish line epic feeling. And that is, it's literally been playing in my ears before when I've crossed a finish line. So that makes me happy. <laughs> it's a good one. I can tell you. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, Jill, I'm so excited to have you on the show today and you're just going to crush this weekend. It's been a long time coming and you've put in so much hard work. And like we said, you've been unlearning things, you've been learning things and it's all going to pay off in your favor in big ways. And I'm so excited to cheer you on virtually. Oh, well, thank you so much. I mean, I literally could not have done this without you. And um, I love your, your patience you're pleasantly persistent and um, overall like you have just you have helped me in so so many ways and I'm so thankful and I can't wait to uh, text you when I'm done but also I can't wait to come back on the podcast to talk about how my I can't wait either it's gonna be great well enjoy the rest of your day thanks for coming on the show and we will catch up with you next time all right that sounds good talk to you soon soon. bye Jill, thank you so much for coming on the show. Isn't she great? (laughs) She's been honestly so much fun to work with, and I've been so honored to help her in her marathon journey in both nutrition and in her run coaching as well. If you are wanting to learn more about my one-on-one coaching programs, you are welcome to shoot me a message. My email is hsamuel, S-A-M-U-E-L, at fitcookienutrition.com, or you can send me a message on Instagram, which my handle is just at fitcookienutrition, and we can set up a call, which is free, just to learn more about each other and if we'd be a good fit. And if you are loving this podcast, I would love it if you gave me a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening, always helps other viewers just like you find the show. And if you're wanting to support the podcast, you're welcome to scroll down to the end of the show notes and hit support podcast. And I am so happy to have you here and so excited to talk to Jill after her marathon. So until next time, guys, happy running.